to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. What a fun weekend of dub we had. Holy moly. I think there was nothing more joyful. Joyful? Joyful is the word I was looking for. Um, There's nothing more joyful than seeing the Knicks get their first ever win in New Zealand. So we need to like keep that joyful energy for the rest of this pod episode. And hopefully I will learn how to speak English properly in the time that this pod exists. But anyway, lots of dub to talk about, lots of very cool, exciting things to talk about. So let us begin. As always, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands that we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So friendos, like I said, fun week of dub, lots of things that we loved to see. Angela, what did you love to see? It's it's a bit, I like, it's a basic answer, but it's an understandable answer. Chids's goal in victories 2-1 win over Adelaide. It was just so much fun. Um, I feel like, yeah, BD Goad cut it in from the left. Chids is just searing through the box, gets on the end of it, somehow volleys it to herself, I think, and just, like, does this great little, no, yeah, who knows, does some magic and does, like, this sensational little finish around the keeper. Yep, you love yeah, Chids scoring goals. We love we love Chids. We'll definitely be chatting about Chids later on. And yeah, Chids scoring. You love to see it. Also, funnily enough, as well, Kayla Morrison scored in this game. And it's just like, why are so many of our goals coming in from our centre back? I whom's to know? Whom's to know? But anyway, loved but loved all of it. Alex Chidiak. I just think Alex Chidiak. Wow. Like I was I was rewatching the highlights package from that Adelaide Gate game and I'm just like this is 3 minutes of just like Alex Chidiak being an excellent footballer honestly. Like she just she did it all. She does it all. She's going to keep doing it all. So we really did love to see it. But Sam what did you love to see? Just quickly briefing off Angel's answer is that like that particular highlights package was like you know how sometimes professional like footballers who are trying to sort of um, secure contracts they put together their own like like hype reels that highlights video from keep up on youtube was alex chidiak highlights reel and just completely unintentionally it was rad anyway my you love to see it marissa you did steal my thunder a little bit at the start of the show but my you love to see it was wellington's five nil win over canberra united their first win at home in wellington in front of a really big crowd as well it's fantastic a whole bunch of different goal scorers and it wasn't just the fact that they won 5-0 against Canberra, a team that was like several places above them on the ladder, but it was the way in which they did it. It was probably the best game that Wellington have played. And sort of about 10, 15 minutes in, you were sort of like, something's different about today. Some There's a vibe going, which was considering the context and the circumstances, which we'll get into in a second, is pretty remarkable. So the fact that they were able to slam five goals past Canberra and really out Canberra Canberra, they did everything that Canberra tend to do, but better. It was just amazing. It's such a good win, such a good moment for this group of young players, such a good moment for the head coach as well, who stepped up into the role of head coach for the first time after Gemma Lewis left. It's yeah, overall just fantastic vibes. You love to see it. Firstly, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder. I had nothing for an intro. As we can already tell, I'm not on today. I'm on the podcast physically, but mentally, spiritually, I'm elsewhere. I'm like at the <laughs> Olympico end with a hot bucket of chips and just like there's soft flute music like playing in my mind. I'm not actually here, but <laughs> you're right in the sense that we absolutely have to talk about Wellington 5, Canberra nil because... It was just fun. It was so much fun. I couldn't watch the game live. I've checked Twitter. I'm like, what is going on? I love everything that's happening. I just don't understand what is actually going on. So we need to talk about why were the Knicks so good? Were Canberra really, really bad? Or were they just outplayed by a better team? It's taken a little while for the Knicks to put in a performance like this. Why was this weekend the weekend? So does anyone have any sort of explanations for how we've ended up with Wellington 5, Canberra nil. I, I, okay. So first of all, 
important context, right? This round of, of A-League Women's Games happened during an unofficial international window. And we all saw it on Twitter. The USA uh, went to New Zealand to play the Football Ferns in two friendly games. And because it's an unofficial FIFA window, clubs were not obliged to um, to basically hand over their players to their national teams to take part in these fixtures. The reason that it happened is because the USA, US Women's National Team, their players, uh, well, the NWSL is not happening at the moment. It's not on. So they had some free time and the USA are absolutely loaded when it comes to money. So they could finance something like this. And the football ferns um, are obviously some, a number of them playing the A-League women's and a number of their clubs didn't want to let go of uh, players for this particular um, opportunity. Hannah Wilkinson, for example, from Melbourne City. Um, but some of them did, including both Wellington and Canberra. So both of these clubs had players who less than 24 hours earlier participated in the second friendly against the USA in some capacity, whether they just played a bit part, whether they were on the bench, they were still in camp. They were still part of this big event. So the fact that this happened and then Wellington were able to come out and play the way that they played is even more remarkable, I think. The fact that they were so they were so lively, they were so dynamic, they worked really well together. All of the players who you'd sort of been waiting to arrive felt like they finally arrived. Betsy Hassett's probably the best example of that. We spoke about her when we realised that she'd been signed by Wellington at the start of the season. We are like, oh, yeah, she's a, a veteran player. She's really experienced. She's really good form. You know, she knows what she's doing. She'll be one of those kinds of players to really pull this team together um, and to inspire them. But she hadn't really backed that up in terms of her performances so far. But this was fantastic. She scored two goals. She was so, so good, barging down the left wing all the time. Uh, gave Canberra's defenders so many nightmares, particularly Sasha Grove, RIP. Um, and same as Ava Pritchard, uh, probably Ava Pritchard's best game at centre forward. She was making lots of really important runs. But on the other hand, like Canberra were just not very good. I don't know what happened to them. Maybe it was a travel fatigue situation. Maybe it was just a, a dip that teams can sometimes have halfway through a season. But particularly their defenders, they just could not deal with what Wellington were throwing at them. There were so many really like eerily similar runs that a number of the Wellington forwards were making that Canberra just did not deal with. Uh, I don't know why. Perhaps speed is is some part of the problem as well. Canberra doesn't have particularly fast centre backs, so they were exploited quite a lot. But at the same time, you know, I think it's just the the energy and the vibe of Wellington playing in front of their home fans and coming off the back of two national team games where they had, again, really, really good crowds um, and wanting to sort of feed off that energy. And I think it was Chloe Knott um, after the game said, pretty much said as much. She was like, we were so proud of the football fans. We wanted to try and, you know, inspire the crowd. We wanted to, 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 um, to bring them along with us and to, um, you know, and bounce off that. And they really did. Like, it was amazing. Every single player I thought had a sensational game. I thought, particularly Michaela Foster, who we haven't really seen very much until now. Like her corners were unbelievable. She set up, I think, two or three major, major chances, including two or three goals just from corners and set pieces, which was great. Kate Taylor and Mackenzie Barry continue to be two of the best centre-backs in the A-League women's, despite the fact that they're so young. Um, and Grace Wignewski as well, who got her football fans debut against the USA. She was fantastic. Like just every single play, Millie Clegg. Oh my God. She goes, like everyone was really good. And they all did the kind of thing that you have been waiting for them to do for a really long time. And I'm really glad it came against Canberra because Canberra is sort of like one of the dark horses in the competition as well. You don't really know the kind of Canberra you're going to get on the day. Um, and it turns out that Wellington we're lucky enough to get a pretty uh, pretty lackluster one. So, yeah, it's really good vibes for, for Wellington. I'm really, really glad that they've finally got a good win like this, a, an emphatic win, and the kind of win that I think, similar to Western Sydney, like the kind of win that can really put some wind in their sails um, and maybe sort of shoot them through to towards the back half of the season. I don't know. I feel like you covered that off. Sam, I don't have much more to add. I thought, yeah, it's just like a... a kind of the it felt inevitable like this is where Wellington have been trying to get to all season and I do appreciate that they haven't compromised on the style of football that they want to play and even if it hasn't mm. always 
they haven't always pulled it off and there have been results that have been unfortunate or or whatever it might be that they've stuck to it because this was this game was really um that brought to fruition so yeah it was very very good vibes I mean as a Canberra fan I'm like good for them absolutely love it and Canberra Canberra are interesting because they had I had to get friend of the pod Tom in here and be like what's the difference between this and this and he's like that's a 442 and that's a 4411 and I'm like okay so what does that mean <laughs> anyway so they they played <laughs> they set up a little bit differently um and I wonder if maybe we cursed them last week by being like Flannery Milivojevic and Heyman best attacking mm. line in the league and then they tweaked something so they had Milivojevic like as an up top nine with Heyman sitting behind her. And I don't know if that really helped things, but also like you said, Sam defensively Canberra were just a bit all over the shop. Um, I was surprised. Yeah. Maybe there was some kind of injury concerns behind the scenes, but Ilioski from what I've seen of her, she's had a really strong season, but started on the bench and then came on later on. And I don't know, it just, Canberra's heads really dropped as well. Um, Mm. I don't think they've been, they haven't been on the receiving end of this kind of shellacking so far this season. So how they respond to it is going to be interesting, I think, and really important as well. I guess I have a sort of Rondo question that we can, if if I'm a, if I may overstep, Marissa, um, you absolutely may, and I love that you asked when Anna's just like, "Sorry, Marissa, I'm going to steal your thunder here," and then like barrel straight into a question. Just goes even asking. Yes, you uh, may. Have What's the confidence of an Anna Harrington is what is what the moral of the story is. Um, yeah. So also, can I just before I get into that question, I the timing of the game was so funny because like I slept in real late I woke up at 11 and my friend had posted to her story being like up the Knicks and I'm like three nil camera what <laughs> is going on like run to the run to the living room to catch the second half um and just yeah it felt like a bit of, I hadn't truly woken up I was like what is going on am I in a cheese dream I don't know anyway um <laughs> So with the 5-0 loss, Tom was like, that's a sackable offence for Canberra's coach. And I'm like, what? Is that? What? That, that felt That's dramatic, Tom. Yeah, I was wondering what you guys think of that. Is that Tom just being? That's a very men's football thing to say. Ooh. A single, like, drubbing and you're like, sack him. Get rid of him. <laughs> no, nah, next. Next one. No, that's not. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, Marissa's also shaking her head. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I think not, also because Canberra have been good. Run. Canberra Canberra <laughs> have been good under Nagosh Popovich. Like they're mid table. Yeah. They could still like mathematically they can still push into the top four. This is just a bit of a blip. And I think this is also their first um trip to New Zealand, is it not, this season? So that travel, like I don't really think people understand. <laughs> how hectic this kind of stuff is on the body like there's a reason teams struggle when they have to fly to Perth like there's a it's a it's a serious thing so yeah I'd say it's a combination of different things but Canberra's still good and Popovich is a good coach you know he's got a good combination and the fact that he has brought in the kinds of players that he has I think is a good sign Mm. for Canberra going forward like that they've given him the kind of license to go out and get a Milivojevic to get a Grace Jale you know to get some of these players and snap them up from other clubs like that's good intentions so yeah it's, it's not um it's not exit signs for Nagos just yet yeah okay and like I'm glad we agree even if they had spent the entire season losing and this like he's only been in charge of them for half of season like hmm. I, I I can't see any sort of context in which one five nil loss immediately you know is a is a sackable offence if this was his second season in charge and Canberra had just been absolutely shit for a season and a half then yeah sure get rid of him but that's um that's a knee-jerk reaction if uh, <laughs> ever I've heard one to be honest <laughs> I think Tom's just being deliberately like pot story come on Tom you're listening to this we know you <laughs> 
someone's yep, drunk maybe. on the pod. <laughs> anyway, that but, that was my main question there. But um, and yeah, I I agree with, with all of that. <laughs> um, in terms of yeah, and how they again how they respond will be obviously super important. And if they, it is kind of oh also just mentioning this this was the game where we were like okay circle of dub time let's get the post-its out let's put them on the wall yes let's see explain okay explain the circle of dub please for for those listening oh molly i feel like it's a marissa creation though so i'm happy to no i stole it from tom and anna okay so and um the circle of dub refers to what can sometimes happen in this chaotic league where you can basically put all the teams in front of you and there's a complete circle in terms of the teams beating each other if you go around. So um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but Western United getting beaten by Western Sydney was a big prompt for that as well because every team getting a win means that there could be a flow-on effect where it just like completely aligns. The only thing stopping it, I can post it on the social so people can kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, at the moment, victory are the the team that um, mean it. it's not in a nice circle. So vested interest, I kind of don't want them to get be like beaten, <laughs> obviously. But for the circle, mm, it, could be, it could be nice. For the circle. For the circle. Um, Love yeah, anyway. or the circle? <laughs> the circle. Um, I hope that made sense to listeners. Um, hang on. Maybe if I just refer to my homework. Yeah. So, for example, Adelaide beat Sydney. Sydney have beaten Brisbane. Brisbane beat Western Sydney. Western Sydney beat Western United. Western United beat, I think we had Wellington there. Um, and so it just continuing that so that it's mm. all interlinked. It's a beautiful thing. I can't remember last the last time we had it though. A full circle of dub. It was season last season. Oh, last season. Okay. Well, maybe we can. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I posted one in February of 2022 because I think it was after the Knicks went on their kind of little winning run at the the back end of last season. It was like <gasps> the circle of dub. The circle Amazing. is complete. Yeah, genuinely. Um, but yeah, I reckon people will definitely understand this visual thing when they see it with their own two mm. eyes um, instead of us trying to explain it on the pod. But yeah, you just, I suppose this is also the thing, obviously, we assume that Canberra will bounce back. You hope it's not a flash in the pan for the Knicks either. Like they can actually continue to build on it as well. Maybe they're not putting five past their next opponents, which happen to be Brisbane. But the way Brisbane have been going, it's not outside the realm of possibility that the Knicks could very much be on a on a two-game winning streak by the end of the upcoming weekend. So definitely ones to to look out for and watch out for. But yeah, the, the Knicks doing well is fun for the league, in my humble opinion. I just think it, it makes everything a little bit better, a little bit more chaotic, and it's always just a little bit of fun. Um but let's move on to some of the other games of the weekend. We only had four on the weekend because we've had so many midweek games. So it's a nice, small, manageable kind of load of games. So obviously we had that Wellington 5, Canberra nil. We had Western United beating Brisbane 2-0 down in Tassie. We had Melbourne City defeating the Wanderers 1-0. And we had Melbourne Victory beating Adelaide 2-1 over in Adelaide. So there's a couple of questions that emerge from there. We've already kind of spoken about it in the sense of the Alex Chidiak highlight reel that was the uh, the game highlights for that Adelaide game. She just looked so like everything she did. Oh my god, everything she did was magic. It was really, really good. So I posed the question and I tweeted this uh, this afternoon as well. Is Alex Chidiak the Julie Dolan medalist elect? And if it is not Chids, who is it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, like the more you watch Alex Chidiak, the more you realise how much she does. You know, like she she can have quiet games every now and then, but even when she has quiet games, you you realise that she still does something pivotal. She still is 
like such a game changing kind of player. And when she's like on song, like she was in this game against Adelaide, she is just like unstoppable sometimes. Like we know Adelaide are a little bit of a messy bitch at the moment, but like the fact that Chidiak basically single-handedly won this game for victory, scoring a goal, sort of effectively setting up the other, she probably could have scored another two as well herself. There was that amazing like chip, that volley chip over the top and the attempted header that came off the crossbar. Like there were a couple of other moments like that where on another day, it, it would have been just one of the most extraordinary single person performances of the league, you know? Um, but I think the thing with her, and maybe the reason why players like Chidiak don't necessarily get all the plaudits when, in terms of like Julie Dolan medals is because she, she does so much like, unfancy work as well like this was a fancy game for her this was a like this was a highlights real game but she does so much stuff that's not necessarily fancy but that is still really important but that's not necessarily the stuff that gets people noticing what's going on um and I, you know I can sort of probably speak for all three of us at the moment where you know we're on the Julie Dolan voting panel and the, one of the issues that we're that I'm personally having at the moment is that because we have so many games that kick off simultaneously, um, I am not able to get back and watch full games. There are some games that I have to watch like the the mini match of or the highlights, like the extended highlights reel or something, just to catch up on everything that I've missed. And trying to make decisions based on those particular pieces of information um, can sometimes leave out the unfussy stuff. It can, it can leave out the the kinds of performances that if you watch them all the time, you would see that they're incredibly influential in the way that they work. Um, so like having a highlights reel like this, you'd be like, yeah, well, clearly Alex Chidek should be a Julie Dolan medalist based on just like that. Um, but you don't really see that all the time in those kinds of moments, in those kinds of clips. Um, but yeah, I like she, she is, she, I think at the moment is probably the most informed player in the league outside of maybe Hannah Keane. Um, I can't really think of anyone else. Policina's sort of gone down a little bit. She's sort of like not quite as lethal as what she was at the start of the season. Still think Leah Davidson at Melbourne City is pretty extraordinary. She's really consistent. It also depends on the kind of players that you think deserve awards like this. You know, should they be the big, the big like fireworks kinds of players or should they be the really consistent ones? I don't know. Alex Chidiak feels like both at the same time, which is maybe why it's kind of weird to try and pick her and figure out where she sits and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I find, uh, sorry, uh, I'm going to sound like a, a bitch myself now. I'm like, Marissa isn't doing the Julie Dolan voting. It's just like me and Sam. But <laughs> you were shaking your head. <laughs> um, um, I Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm struggling similarly um, to you. Sam in terms of consuming football at the moment I guess it, it and it's there's just so much like that yeah it's, it's a lot of, it's, like, a lot it's, of a, it's, an, it's a great problem to have but it's, there's yeah. just a lot of it and like we've got lives as well <laughs> like we, we've got stuff that we want to go and do so yeah it's it's difficult moments like this um but yeah in terms of like it the Dolan Julie Dolan voting is interesting because I struggled to be like I, I I try to conceptualize like the player that had the most impact for their team um but then it's because it's you, you're voting for best on ground but for me I think that's where I kind of notice who's better or not I, I don't know and then I don't know if I should be disclosing this but I just I'm like do I vote like if a team wins do they get all of the votes but then I don't know if it, if there's been a really solid defensive performance that, you know, stemmed some of the damage. Like, I feel like that that's worth something. Like, that's an, that's an impact yeah. that has been made. So, yeah. Anyway, so gotten a little sidetracked. But Alex Gidiak, yeah, she's she's bloody fantastic. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's a great shout for Julie Dolan at this point in time. Um, consistent – I for these kind of things with Julie Dolan as well, consistency is going to be a big thing, being available to be voted for um, week to week. Um, yeah, if there was a, a different way of assessing it, you could see potentially players that are big in big games but not necessarily in, in the more low-key matches 
that they might slip off the radar a little bit. But anyway, I don't know if that just contradicted exactly what you said, Sam. But um, yeah, uh, and I would say also some of the keepers this season might be in for a um, run at Julie Dolan. So I'm thinking like Hilary Beale in particular, but someone like Handcuff of Brisbane Raw, who's like a standout player in a team that isn't doing fantastic that could definitely influence things as well um yeah again it's like who do you vote for do you just vote for the winning team or do you vote for the the keeper who had a great performance but they still lost I don't know the other thing that's hard about it as well is that like if you've got a team full of really good players they Mm. they take points off each other a lot of the time. And so like a Western United maybe is a really good example. There are so many players who have deserved points across so many games, but you can only give out a certain number. So some people necessarily have to miss out. Um, And I remember there was a, I think a situation, maybe it was with Sydney FC a couple of seasons ago where there were so many players who got like, um, who averaged out like so many Julie Dolan points that there wasn't one clear sort of like winner. There was like a Courtney Vine had an amazing season, a Princess of Beanie had an amazing season, Mackenzie Hawksby, Sarah Hunt had an amazing season. Like all these players had amazing seasons, but none of them ended up getting anywhere close to what you needed to actually win the medal because they were all just as good as each other. So that's the other sort of aspect of all that. But anyway, that was a massive sidetrack. Yes, Alex Chidek I think deserves to be in the conversation at the very least. That's real, like, star of the team versus team full of stars kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Because um, it's like there's not necessarily a wrong answer in that debate. That's just how some teams are set up. Um, the replies to my tweet, a lot of them were made me laugh for starters, but lots of people were like, yes, chids, 100%. I said that, you know, does Alex, Alex Chidiak basically have one hand on the Julie Dolan medal? And friend of the pod, Nadia, was like, yep, and the other hand's doing a peace sign. And she's, like, posing with her medal. And I was like, that made me giggle. <laughs> uh, friend of the pod, Ben, was also like, uh, yeah, and which mascot should be giving her her Julie Dolan medal come season's end? Yes, um, yeah. So you, you know that there's a few that she absolutely loves. Um, but unsurprisingly, the Western Corps, Western United's uh, active supporter group, were like, Hannah Keane's been pretty good. And I don't disagree with Western with the Western Corps. I just, there's something about, like, giving the Golden Boot winner, like, the best player in the league award as well I don't, in my brain there's and like there's one voice in my brain that is like it's a cop-out giving the person who scores goals best player in the league but then there's the other yeah. part of me that's like but that's a part of the game and it's a valuable part of the game so like yeah I don't I'm quite glad to not have the Julie Dolan vote responsibility because I would talk myself into a mental breakdown if I had to somehow justify awarding people uh, specific votes. So that's a problem for you too. Interestingly, the last defender to win the Julie Dolan medal was Claire Polkinghorn back in 2017-18. They've all been forwards since then or midfielders. So that's the other thing. And it's like we've talked about this, I think, when it comes to um, like bigger awards as well. It's often the attackers, the stars, the goal scorers who tend to get all the plaudits when Actually, sometimes the most important players on the field are either midfielders or defenders, but they just don't, they're not, they're not glamorous. They're not, they don't have the fireworks. They just do a really, really good, consistent job over the course of a long campaign and are sometimes the reason why a team wins a trophy. Goalkeepers, another good example, but they're just, there's just, they don't have the star power sometimes, so they don't get noticed, which is a shame. Wasn't that also the season she, it was joint winners, her and Kerr? Her and Kerr, exactly. (laughs) See, that's. Yeah, perfect example. Yeah. Oh, that's very funny. But let's move on to another quick question. So we spoke about Jess McDonald, I want to say, like really early in the season because we were talking about the fact that she's only on a guest player contract and she she has been really excellent for Western United. You know, I always think um, every time I've seen her play down in Caroline Springs, I'm like, she won a World Cup and she's at the edge of Melbourne's urban sprawl. Like what? What? <laughs> Honestly, bizarro land. But now that her uh, guest stint has come to an end, the questions are just how much of an impact uh, did Jess McDonald have on Western United? How are they going to cope without her? 
And just, I suppose, the, the thing that was then in my brain was like, are guest contracts good, useful, um, or is it a little bit shit to only have a player for such a limited amount of time? So there's lots of questions in there for you to kind of pick and choose what you would like to answer. But the wider conversation is about Jess McDonald and guest guest in contracts. Yeah, I think she's going to be a huge loss in a couple of different ways. I mean, first of all, obviously on the field. She has started every game for Weston so far. She has been so influential um, in terms of setting up a lot of the goals. She hasn't scored many, if any, but she has played a like a really big part in most of the moves that Western United have been able to put together. Her partnership with Hannah Keane has been fantastic. The fact that they've been able to find that chemistry so quickly has been amazing. Um, and she's just like you can you can just tell that she has played football at the highest level like you watch the way that she moves even though she's in her 30s even though she's a mum she is just such an athlete and she is so smart on the ball she predicts what other players do faster she just like she's just you can tell that she's played for the US Women's National Team like it's just a different kind of player um so on the field she's going to be a huge loss but I actually think the biggest loss is going to be off the field because all the stories that come out about Jess McDonald um and and even this week you know um after she sort of um her guest stint has ended there's a couple of different pieces floating around um which show how influential she is in terms of leadership in terms of setting culture instead of in terms of setting standards and bringing that kind of elite level mentality into a brand new setup and a brand new bunch of players some of whom are playing professional football for the very first time like that kind of influence, I think, is it, it cannot be understated, and we might not see it on the outside, but I think it translates into the way that they've been playing as well. Like she is clearly a, a really um, uh, like people believe in her and they they listen to her when she says things. She's got a gravity to her, a gravitas to her uh, in in terms of her leadership in the team, and and. It really filters out, I think. You can sort of see it. Um, yeah, so I think she's going to be a huge loss. But what a thrill to have had her here for this long at all. It may have only been for nine games, but, like, what a nine games it's been. She's a huge part of the reason why Western are first on the ladder at the moment. Um, and we can say that we've had yet another incredible World Cup winning player in the dub. Like, how mad is that? So yeah, I don't. In terms of the guest, like the guest contract thing, it depends on what you think is valuable about them. Um, I, you know, we've sort of had different, I guess, variations of the guest contract in the past in terms of the kinds of players who've come in and, and been part of that kind of setup and and floated out again. Denise O'Sullivan's a good example when she was on guest contract at Canberra, um, and she was fantastic. Shout out to friend of the pod, Eric. Um, she was fantastic there, but she wasn't really there for long enough to be able to uh, push Canberra all the way. Um, and But with Jess McDonald, I feel like her guest stint was more about the, not the celebrity, but sort of just like bringing that kind of star quality to the league for a little bit. And it seems like Western have set up in such a way that maybe her departure is not going to cause such a huge um, gap in terms of the next player who's going to step up into that right wing position. But um, it's, it's, she has helped create uh, buzz around the club, which I think is part of the reason for that guest contract. And it's part of the reason for marquee contracts as well. Like you sort of still need that uh, big name player to draw fans and to draw media and interest and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I guess it's like it's pros and cons like everything right yeah i jess mcdonald is an interesting case study for the guest player thing though because in speaking to what sam just said about the kind of um the the qualities that she's brought around um the character of the team and, and that sort of thing it's it's become very clear that that was definitely a role that she knew she had coming into this um into this stint with western united and i think that that was really 
smart from those who engineered it in terms of being able to bring in someone who can from the get-go establish those things um and that's going to be a mm. legacy that they will be able to continue to have once she's left so it's kind of like the investment i feel like is going to be absolutely worth it even if there is that gap yeah um in terms of what she does provide on the field as well just in and of herself as a player um yeah it did make me laugh she did a interview with um dub zone and she was like yeah this this whole journey has been truly humbling and i was like yep caroline springs <laughs> that would that would be humbling <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> um i don't think she meant it in that way i don't think she was like the wet no you know what i mean like um but that that did make me giggle um but yeah i think and again it 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 is I get confused right because there's guest there's guest signings are they the ones that go from the start of the season because again a lot I think sometimes... it's any time yeah the only like um constraint is that you only have them for x number of games hmm. yeah in but with if you're only bringing in a player to kind of elevate the team on the field, which I feel like has happened in the history of the dub. That's where I think the real issues come about. And again, going back to discussions about like stars in a team versus a team of stars. Um, I think a guest signing, you're so much more vulnerable to uh, that fallout. If uh, yeah, you're looking at a star in a team. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose as well, I, I'm not sure if, like, injury replacements, that's a different thing as well. Um, just a whole other kettle of fish. If anyone has, like, a – I know Stefan Mobus, friend of the pod, Stefan, has done a great article for Beyond 90 where he talks about the imports from the 21-22 season. I need to revisit that, but if anyone else is confused, I definitely direct you – recommend and direct you to that um, piece because he goes over the kind of – structures around imports and all that sort of thing i'm just not up to date my my head is empty but guest signings yeah there's uh jess mcdonald i think it, it was a net good if they could have had it for the whole season that would have been fantastic but i think her leaving is going to be like kind of um not expose western united but i think it's going to show their value and, and they're going to be able to prove themselves after mm. she leaves as well that's just listening to you without seeing kind of what a McDonald-less Western United looks like, it does seem that they have set it up correctly. And in my mind, that's more exception to the rule rather than the rule itself. Because my um, very black and white thinking brain is just like, so your season is this long. I'm holding my arms out wide, listeners. But you've only signed a player for this long. I've closed my hands much closer together now, listeners. It seems just <laughs> stupid. It doesn't seem smart. Like from, and I understand that this is a very like base level, surface level, black and white take. But that's why guest contracts have always seemed a little bit silly to me. Because why would you want to build something with someone when you know they won't be there for the entire duration of the build? Like. Um, mm. it doesn't make sense to me. And I think also the real interesting thing about Jess is that um, her contract has been in the like entirely in the first half of the season. We've seen a fair few um, clubs sign players to kind of end the season and like finish things off in a weird kind of way. Um, but yeah, it just it seems bizarre and antithetical to that kind of whole point of building a squad to sign someone who you know, isn't going to be there for long but the way you guys have described Jess McDonald I feel like everyone knew what was going on and she's done exactly what she needed to do even though it was only for a very limited amount of time so I don't know and she Listen, sort of like she sort of has helped to build them this is the yeah, thing as 100%. well like she doesn't have to be there for for the whole season to have made a contribution in building that foundation like in terms of prof like we, like we were both talking about professionalism culture leadership all that sort of stuff is really important and what a what an incredible athlete to have come and 
been able to establish that. Like she's just sort of come in and like dropped the mic after nine games. Here you go. Here is here's what it's like. And then like let, off you go. Go and take my lessons and and go and fly, kitties. Uh, which is great, you know, and, and I hope they do. I hope this is like, I, because we shouldn't have to rely on massive overseas players. It should be a league for Australians, but having a player like that come in and bestow their wisdom upon us is also pretty cool. So, yeah. By Jess McDonald, we have been humbled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a segue and then I completely lost it, to be honest with your friends. So... We're moving on abruptly. Um, obviously, we've got big games coming up this weekend. We've already circled, obviously, the the big blue between Victory and Sydney that will be coming up midweek. So there's going to be plenty of fun things to talk about next week. But sticking with things that have happened very recently, um, it's time for the boot. It was very funny because... We had a friend message all of us in a group chat saying, I think I know what this week's boot is. I had other people message me saying, I have an idea about what this week's boot's going to be. So it's, <laughs> I, I hate that every boot like begins with incredulous laughter that we actually have to talk about this shit. But um, please, <laughs> someone... Uh, the boot, it, the boot that everyone knows is the boot. Like, yeah, go on. So, anyone who has watched the women's super league over the years knows that the women's teams get given substandard fields a lot of the time. There has been so many improvements to the league in terms of wages, in terms of broadcasting, in terms of lots of different things, but. Pitches are still a huge problem. And this past weekend, we saw exactly the consequences of that. Chelsea and Liverpool were scheduled to play a game on Sunday night, Australian time, um, uh, at, at Kings Meadow, which is one of the better surfaces for the Women's Super League. Um, and about two hours before kickoff, um, there was a pitch inspection, as there always is. Um, but because England at the moment is in the throes of their winter, there was a lot of snow all over the pitch that had to be raked off. Um, and typically at this time of year, a lot of the grounds um, that aren't uh, sort of set up to be um, antifreeze basically get frozen. The dirt and the moisture underneath the grass freezes and it becomes, doesn't look it on the surface, but it becomes basically like an ice rink and you can really slip around if you're wearing studs. So there was a concern ahead of the Chelsea-Liverpool game that uh, the, 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 the pitch had been frozen. So there was an inspection that was done by the referees, the match officials, two hours before kickoff, um, scheduled kickoff, and they said this pitch is unplayable. It's, we need to wait a lot longer. We need to wait until at least 2 p.m. Um, to do another check and to see whether it's going to be safe for players. They had communicated this to the league and to the broadcasters saying that when we're not, you know, we, we don't think that this pitch is playable. We think it's unsafe. But at some point, someone came over the top of the referees and deemed that the surface was fine. Um, they put a big tarp over the top. They got like hot, hot leaf blowers like to come in and try and melt the pitch that was rock solid with ice to try and, and, and melt it. Um, and the game ended up kicking off. It ended up kicking off at the originally scheduled time. Fans who had travelled for hours and hours and hours from Liverpool down to London to watch the game were there in the stands. The game kicked off and literally within minutes, um, players had slipped over everywhere. There were people getting um, like ice burns. Erin Cuthbert slid um, on the pitch and got an ice burn on her leg. Uh, the coaches were clearly really uncomfortable about it. You could just see watching the players that they could not run on this field. So six or seven minutes into the game, the referee blew the whistle and there was a brief consultation with the head coaches and with some of the players and the game was called off because the pitch was frozen. And it's like, there was like, how did this happen? And it was, it was kind, it was extraordinary watching the reactions from people because there were so many journalists who were there who were like, 
there was a what the chain of events that led to this moment there were so many points at which someone should have stepped in and said we should probably think about the safety of the players because this pitch is not ready to go and we and like and the the biggest bungle is going to be if it actually does kick off and we're going to have to postpone it because players are going to get injured and that is exactly what's happened so the biggest like the, the biggest takeaway is the fucking takeaway that we have from all of these moments. And it's not just in terms of icy pitches. It's also in terms of dry pitches, hard pitches, shit pitches that we often have to deal with here in Australia as well during the summer where games are forced to go ahead. Players are forced to play on surfaces that are unsafe for them because league and broadcast officials have determined that it must be so because there's so much money involved in this stuff now that player safety is secondary and it's all about filling the TV slots. And that's the other big sort of context to this particular game, Chelsea against Liverpool. It was one of the games that was on the BBC two. It's one of the games on free to air television. So they had to fill the slot. And this is just one of those moments where you're reminded of the importance of having player unions and collective bargaining agreements where players actually have a voice to ensure that shit like this doesn't happen. And we've seen this recently in the A-League women's where in the most recent version of the CBA that was signed last year, refusing to play on artificial surfaces was included in the CBA because there was Chroma Park, which was regularly used for Sydney FC home games, was an artificial pitch and players complained about it constantly. And so did fans. So did lots of different people because it was unsafe. It was a terrible surface. And so they actually built not playing on that pitch into their contracts. And so they don't play there anymore. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it was pretty extraordinary. Emma Hayes, to her credit, um, went over to all the travelling fans, uh, to all the fans at the stadium, got the stadium microphone and explained the decision to everybody apologized said that player safety must come first with this stuff and i'm pretty sure promised everybody a hot dog the next time that they came to a game as like a like an apology hot dog which is rad um so yeah so i think the the biggest boot goes to uh the officials who came in over the top of the referees and decided that forcing this game to go ahead um was more important than uh than prioritizing the safety of the players um and and to i think just a bigger more existential boot goes to broadcasters because this shit happens all the time where television rules everything around us um and it's it it completely compromises the integrity of the competition in the sense that football is about players if you don't have players you don't have football and yet so many people at so many levels of decision making in so many ways seem to forget that all the time so let hopefully this be the last time that this sort of shit happens. Hopefully league officials in the WSL are going to realize that you can't actually play on a frozen pond turns out, uh, cause it's not going to be a good product and no one, no one wants to watch a game of football, whether it's on BBC two, whether it's on live stream, whether it's anywhere, that's not a good product. So fucking, you know, think about the safety of your players, stop forcing them to play in workplaces that are dangerous and yeah, just, big old boot to them that's it I'm really glad you said the workplace thing because inevitably uh lots of players actually really were strong in coming out on Twitter on Instagram wherever it was you know saying what is this this is unacceptable you know this doesn't happen at the men's stadiums particularly for like the big clubs that are have Premier League teams and WSL teams like all of their stadiums have mm. the undersoil heating and stuff. And there were people replying to that, well, you know, saying like, well, if you guys uh, brought in more people and there was more interest, you could get undersoil heating. And it's like workplace safety isn't dependent on how popular you are. You just deserve a yes. safe workplace. Like, get your head yeah. out of your ass. I, it, but like, that argument never particularly sits well with me because it's always a real bad faith kind of um retort but in this particular context I was like do you deserve to be unsafe at work because you you know I don't know sell more pies at the shop or like whatever the fuck it is you do like come on yeah it just it was so stupid but not nearly as stupid as um the WSL's statement so a, a women's super league spokesperson uh posted on a statement on twitter 
and it says, uh, quote, we worked hard with the clubs and the match officials to safely play the Barclays Women's Super League fixture between Chelsea and Liverpool as scheduled. Following inspections before the match, the pitch was deemed to be playable by the match match day referee. However, shortly after kickoff, the referee made the decision to abandon the match in order to protect the safety of the players, which is paramount. And it's like, okay, there was three hours between this initial inspection and then kickoff. How can it, how could it have, I don't understand how a pitch could have been okay, but then not okay in that amount yeah. of time. It, yeah, exactly. It like you can't, the referee would not sense. have been able to, yeah, like that is not how physics works, actually. That's not how ice works. It doesn't, it doesn't melt backwards. That's, you know, like, <laughs> and way to just like backwards. throw the referees under the bus as well, it, like blaming it, the referees for the decision. Like, and no, then, no, no, you know, it was they yours. apologized um, to traveling fans. They're like, we'll sched- reschedule in due course. And I'm like, congratulations on explaining absolutely nothing. Yeah. And making of just not, zero because they're sense. The ones to blame, and they want to they want to beat around the bush about it. That's it, what's so it, bloody frustrating about this sort of stuff, right? Like it happens in the A League as well, mm. where the the people who are responsible for making these decisions find ways to skirt around it so that they don't have to cop the flack. And like you can understand that from their point of view, but at the same time, this is your responsibility. <laughs> like you need to own up to when you have screwed up. And I think more and more people would be more grateful if you were just like, yeah, sorry, we fucked it like we we made a mistake we wanted it to go ahead because of this reason we're really sorry we'll try and we'll be better next time I would respect that more than just coming out and and trying to explain it away or trying to pretend that you had nothing to do with it and it's also the other thing I want to mention as well like you Marissa you mentioned men's stadiums right like it's it's just like this is another structural example of the fact that even though so many clubs talk about equality and wanting to grow the women's game and all this investment and giving them professional environments, like this is yet another example of just a really physical, clear example of the massive gap that still exists between the men's and women's game in terms of giving them professional environments. Like how how the league did not think at, at, at this point that undersoil heating was important for a game that for a, a competition that happens in the depths of winter which had so many games postponed last season because of the same issue how have they not like addressed this yet it's just, it just it baffles me it really yeah it does it's very frustrating i have nothing to add just i do an aura of disgust is that not what the boot is is that not the dictionary definition of what the boot is um my absolute favorite response from players because there was a real weird mix of that you know again the incredulous laughter like why is this happening to us but it's not funny though is it um you know, lots of players were making really good points about the whole situation, but my absolute favourite was Kadisha Buchanan, who plays for Chelsea, uh, posting on Instagram with, uh, I think they were in the locker room, so she's just taken a photo in the locker room, and the caption reads, it's mind-boggling that there's games slash training being cancelled because of frozen pitches throughout the league. Like, bruv, we play in a cold country. We should have heated pitches too. Where's our ratings as women's footballers? They honestly don't rate us. Sad. And I just, it was, bruv, we play in a cold country because that's exactly what we say every time a a 3pm game here has like two drinks breaks per half. And it's like, brother, it is a hot country here and we're playing in the middle of summer. It makes zero sense. But um, yeah, yeah, just a massive boot because it's just so, it's avoidable. That's the thing with most boots. They are avoidable if people actually cared and made sensible decisions, but Mm. they don't care and they make nonsensible decisions and then we have to waffle on about them. So, anywho, let's brighten up the mood in here and finish off with some how goods. Sam, how good? Yes. So going full circle back to my, uh, my love to see it, it was a uh, record breaking uh, moment for the football ferns in their two home uh, friendly games against the USA. They 
broke their own crowd record for the biggest home crowd for a, a football fans friendly. Um, the results didn't go their way, but I, I don't really think that matters, to be honest. I think it was amazing considering uh, the first game as well was midweek. It was on a Wednesday um, and over 10,000 people showed up for that game, which is incredible. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those reminders that like football is at different stages in different nations and come Women's World Cup time, I actually reckon that New Zealand is going to be the country that like turns out more for the tournament than what Australia will. I think there's such an appetite ready to be uh, met in New Zealand for this kind of major tournament. And what I'm really excited about is the impact that the Women's World Cup is going to have on the Phoenix. Because I reckon that if you saw the translation of the the crowds that turned out for the Football Ferns games to who then showed up for the Wellington Phoenix women's games, like there was a pretty good overlap of people there. And the more and more you sort of generate that interest and the more and more role models you have in just like who are so accessible, who are playing in Wellington, who are playing in Auckland, who are playing all over the country and then giving them a professional women's team to go and support. Like it's, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So record crowds yet again for women's football in the Australia Oceania area, Asia Oceania area. How good. Growth is growth and growth is good. Absolutely. How good. Angela, I have good from you. Yes. Um, I just wanted to quickly address, I, uh, I was notified that last week it sounded like I had, I was recording in a cattery. Um, uh, pod friend Tara s- said this. Um, <laughs> just like to clarify, even though I would absolutely be a podcast member who would uh, start a cattery in her house or you know, <laughs> be in a cattery and, and have to record there, that was not the case the audio quality was the loud neighbours um, who have many children who were yelling um, as children are wont to do. So anyway, putting that as my how good, uh, again, circles back, I guess, to our you love to see it. Um, but I just, I was tickled by the yellow fever taking their shirts off at the 80th minute. And this was the first time that they would have gotten to do this for the the women's team at home. Um, For those who aren't acquainted with this, it's a tradition um, that was established, I believe, in 2007 um, with the Knicks, between the Knicks and Sydney. But I can't find any explanation as to why it started. Um, If Dear readers, if you know, (laughs) dear listeners, rather, Please, please let me know. Just send me a tweet. Um, but yeah, anyway, what if the Knicks are up in the 80th minute? There, um, then the active support group will take their shirts off um, and make a big hullabaloo. And they did that this game. So um, I don't know. It it was fun. It made me laugh. Um, they're very. I think they're they're very aware of how ridiculous it is and how ridiculous it looks, and that makes me like it more. So anyway. <laughs> Um, how good a beautiful A-Legs tradition so I can't wait for it to get sold to Destination New South Wales Um, one final (laughs) how good I'm in bitch mode today I'm so sorry listeners Um, but one final how good Uh, if you follow me on Twitter you know that I basically tweet about 10 different things and nothing else. It's just those 10 topics on repeat. And one of those topics is that more women should be involved in the media and broadcasting space in football generally, but obviously definitely here in Australia. Um, And this week we saw the debut of friend of the pod, Grace Gill, as a lead commentator. She covered the Western United game uh, against Brisbane Raw in the lead commentary position. We obviously know that she's a fantastic pundit. She's been a colour commentator for a few seasons now, but she's made the move into the lead commentary role. And she was obviously sensational. She becomes the fourth woman to commentate a dub game this season. Prior to this season, only two women ever had called A-League women's games and it's just like the growth women's voices I simply I I'm obsessed and I'll never get over it and I hope this is just the start of many many more women being included in broadcasts 
narrating, you know, these games that we watch and being the soundtrack for all of these beautiful highlights that football produces. So it's a, a big congratulations, a well done to friend of the pod, Grace Gill, and just a how good to women calling football. We want more of it, damn it. Um, but yes, that's us done for today. As always, you can find us on espn.com.au and the ESPN app. We're over on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe so you get all of the episodes directly onto your device of choice. If you want to have a chat to us, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. Genuinely curious about your takes on guest contract stints. So please at us. Um, but until next time, see you.